Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, presented by Bad Medicine, DC's best comedy about the worst of humanity. Here on Sketch Nerds, we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, and what we don't like. Today, we're going to be discussing sketches from Key and Peele and Tim and Eric. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches that we're going to be discussing today, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Seth Alcorn and Julian Morgan. I'm Andy Weld, and here today with us is our guest, Shoa Appleman. How are you doing, Shoa? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. And I'd like to congratulate you for having me as well. Yes, we feel very honored. It, it really was our biggest get so far. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so Shoa, what is your uh, what is your background in comedy, and uh, what do you like, and what do you like about sketch comedy? Oh, great. Well, my background is com- in comedy is I'm a comedy writer. I write for Bad Medicine. I also do stand-up comedy. I come from improv, short-form improv. And I'm currently writing an animated series called The First Female Bank Robber. I believe I did voice work for that. You did, Andy. You were an incredible chauvinist. And I was <laughs> not invited back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you asked what I love about comedy. It's just, I do. I love that it makes you uh, feel good. It makes audiences feel good. And um, that's, that's it. Just seeing people laugh is the, one, the most wonderful feeling in the world. And so that's what I love about comedy. Very lovely and genuine answer. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about comedy too. Is you can never, like that's how you know you're safe around people is if everyone's laughing. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, right. famously, uh, comedy is the unexpected plus safety. Yes, that that's right. That the, is yes. I believe I've seen that. Yep. Being uh, being uh, killed by an axe murderer is unexpected. Wait, finish that sentence. Wait, what? well, what? no, yeah. but I mean, so so that's so so comedy is the unexpected plus safety. So being uh, murdered unexpectedly is unexpected, but it's not it's not funny. Well, I mean Everything it is funny. Uh huh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Another rip roaring start here on Sketch Nerds. That's that's what we strive for, that everything we say is true. And introducing our first sketch today, Shoa, take it away. Yes, the sketch that I was hoping we could talk about was the job interview by Key and Peele. Key and Peele are an American sketch comedy group or duo um, consisting of Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele. And um, this is a really fun show. It got a lot of awards and they're known for touching on social issues and uh, race issues and just all around being very funny guys. You might know Keegan-Michael Key as Luther, a famous character he plays as um, an alter ego to President Obama. And Jordan Peele recently came out with Get Out, which was like a really big hit. So that's the group, a little overview of the group. And this sketch, the job interview, is about um, there's a gentleman going in for a job interview. And um, he overhears the previous job candidate talking with the hiring manager. And they just hit it off. And um, hilarity ensues. Jeez. 
job interview or the Carol Burnett show, you know what I mean? <laughs> I oh, guess, sir, sir, oh sir. my God, that is too rich. Oh, wow. Thanks so much for coming in, Adam. Of course, and you better stay away from that Chinese food. Oh my crowd. God, you got that right. That's <laughs> doing a number on my stomach. Oh, like, no. oh, tight, 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 tight. Here's your fortune, you're gonna be sick in a half hour. Oh my gosh, what an absolute delight, Adam. It's been great. And you, can I tell yeah. you something yeah, real yeah. quick? I don't even care if I get this job, because I know I've made a friend for life. What a terrific attitude. All right, great. Now, Shoa, can you talk about why you picked this Key and peel sketch? Because I think for me, it's a little out of step with some of their more famous sketches. Okay. No, that, absolutely. <laughs> no, this sketch is great because it takes something that's very mundane and something we've all experienced personally and uh, heightens it to potential like worst case scenarios. And one of the ways I live my life is just day to day, the way I get through the day is by in the middle of being in the middle of boring scenarios and then thinking like what could go wrong or what could happen to make this very funny. I believe you have an anxiety disorder. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes uh, things interesting. Uh, that's what I do. And I've, anyway, never mind. <laughs> yeah. And so they've gone and done this in an excellent way. And so um, it started with a hiring interview, which is a high, high pressure situation, and um, made it even more high pressure by making you feel what it's like to not be part of a group. So it's taken a social feeling and fitted with a professional feeling. And so I just, I guess I like that it was a very casual, everyday occurrence that has now been made very funny. Absolutely. Now, Seth, one of the things that stood out for me is that this sketch is funny, but there's nothing that happens throughout the sketch that I really feel like is like a laugh out loud line. Nothing made me cackle in response. And maybe that was just me. But can you talk about how sometimes a sketch can be made from, you know, the, it's the sum of its parts? Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, this is a is sort of a, a background radiation funny. You are amused. You're you're um, entertained enough to keep watching. Uh, and what it is is just a, a combination of the situation itself, which is something we've all been in. Like we've all got a job interviews, and the nervousness, the worry that we have that we're not going to get it. Um, it's high pressure, as Shoah said, because it's high stakes. We are there, and if we don't get that job, um, you know, it's thing, bad things are going to happen. We're not going to have money and that kind of thing. So now imagine that and heighten it to the point where you are still there, but you have no idea why you're there anymore. And nobody else seems to realize the gravity of the situation. That's why they keep cutting back to the guy sitting next to Jordan Peele, who's laughing and having a good time, Jordan Peele's character can't believe it. He's like, well, you know, it's like he, he almost wants to say to the guy, you know, this means we're not going to get the job, right? Um, and watching that, uh, that situation, that familiar situation, uh, and watching the discomfort in that situation taken to an extreme, I think is what carries us along with it. We're with Jordan Peele's character and we're just sitting there feeling this sort of, uh, hopelessness while the uh, the other interviewee and uh, Keegan-Michael Key's character continue to become closer as people as yeah. the sketch goes on. And uh, that's that's why I, that's why I like this sketch actually because it's a really technical sketch because like the whole the whole the, the whole perspective like basically the, it, the, we're seeing this pers uh, perspective from the straight man which is uh, Jordan Peele's character and so 
what the, the the thing about straight man sketches, the straight man obviously is the one that calls out the weird thing and is always is always the naysayer. He's always like, wait, th- th- this is ridiculous. What's going on here? And so like when you start off with that immediately, you, you set that up immediately. It's it's hard for like a sketch to go a certain direction, which is always crazy town and still have that character be justified in their like in their position. So he never changed, like he changes his position at the end because he's like, well, shit, I have to do this to get this job, right? And, and it, it obviously then obviously like kind of falls flat. Uh, but like that, that was the main thing that kind of stuck out for me is that like you have to heighten the craziness while also keeping it grounded. And show one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, well, sorry, Andy, before we go on. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that there were no laugh out loud moments in the sketch for you. Sure. And there were a couple in the sketch for me that I wanted to point to. Yeah. So just the notion of telling uh, an applicant or telling a manager that like, you know, this was so great. I'm glad we're just going to be friends for life. That's laugh out loud funny to me just because I like to keep my work life separate from my friendship life. So whenever I see something like that, that's funny. So I guess it's subjective just as comedy can be where depending on what you're looking for, things can be laugh out loud funny if they're not supposed to be. And I think the vision here was for parts to be laugh out loud funny. So before we focus on how it's not supposed to be laugh out loud funny, just something that's a commentary. No, but that like that's, that also sets up like the, uh, the, the, the heightening of the crazy part and w- in which Jordan has to sort of deal with. It's like, well, he's like, I don't, Adam Pally, who's the interviewee, which I love Adam Pally. He does a great job. Yeah, he's like, so he's like, I don't even care about this job. Yeah. We're going to be lifelong friends. And then Jordan Peele's like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and, and the other guy's laughing, and they keep showing him because he's kind of laughing. For, he's laughing because other people are laughing. And um, that sets up the, uh, the um, there was a death in my family. And then he's like, well, Jordan Peele's like, what the fuck? You know? So like, that, I, I think like, they do a great job of just establish, establishing a pattern between Adam Pally and um, Keegan-Michael Key in which... Jordan Peele has to react to and also maintain his level of groundedness. So I, that's what that's for me. I, I also laughed out loud at that point too because I was like, you know, Jordan Peele has to deal with this now. Yeah. Yes. Well, and actually, that's happened to me professionally before, where I've been in my cubicle and two people came up and they just started talking about their mother's death, and <laughs> I was just sitting there and the conversation had started where they just asked, "Where's the local Five Guys?" And I was like, "It's around the corner," and that led to why they're eating and why they've been eating so much and why they put on so much weight and then the deaths of their mothers. And they really, they just went on and on and I was stuck in this role, but I had to stop myself from laughing out loud because (laughs) (laughs) it was just the wrong place to be having the conversation. And so I guess personally, I laughed out loud a lot in this sketch because I could see that happening and I remembered it happening. And I think it's happened to everyone where you've been in a work conversation that you thought, Oh yeah, actually a a lady uh, up in, in, in my job, she's an older woman. She came up to me and she was just like, hey, you know, like, I just found this picture in my desk of my sister. Like, look at it. She's, she's so pretty, isn't she? And I was like, yeah, yeah. She's, she's really pretty. Just being polite. And she's like, yeah, well, she's dead. And then just like, kind of just like, but she's so pretty, right? And then just kind of walks away. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think for me, why I didn't laugh out loud is at this sketch is because nothing in the sketch really surprised me. Okay. That talking about the death and kind of the, I know we're going to be friends after this. It doesn't matter to me about the job. I felt like they kind of telegraphed the close relationship between these two guys because of the laughter you hear coming from the office. 
So we know that it's going very well, and we know that there's a that a at least for me a closeness has developed between the two of those. So yes, it's very silly that he's talking about this death, but it didn't surprise me that they went that way. And I think that's probably for me why I didn't laugh out loud. And I think those moments where you do laugh out loud is when something catches you off guard in some way. That's a good point. Yeah, and, and, and I think what's uh, probably the strongest part of that, just kind of part, just saying, no, you're wrong, um, <laughs> is just like, uh, so Jordan Peele is immediately the outsider. And, um, and, and, and so we have, to, we have to live in that perspective for the whole sketch. Like the, even the guy next to him he doesn't say a word is just laughing at just whatever, you know, and he has, with, with no context of anything. He's just laughing because other people are laughing. Even the receptionist when, when uh, Kiko Michael, he comes out and Adam Pally was like, Oh, you have to deal with this guy all day. And she just starts laughing. Yeah. You know? So like he's, he's, he's set up as the outsider. He's the straight man. And so, like, the comedy is really driven through him, not Keegan-Michael Key and Adam mm -hmm. Pally. And uh, it, it's kind of disorienting a little bit, but that's, like, that's how you do a straight man sketch. I think the position that Keegan-Michael Key is in, uh, excuse me, not Keegan-Michael that Jordan Peele is in, maybe that I thought about a lot after I watched the sketch, is that the whole concept, it's very uncomfortable for him while he's watching this play out. But it's not a sketch where you as the, at least for me as an audience member, I didn't feel like that creeping sense of being uncomfortable um, that you sometimes get in. And I, I, we talked about this in an earlier episode and somehow in British comedy, they right. lean into that awkward moment. And this is a very awkward moment, but there's no, for me, there's no cringy factor. And I wanted to wonder if you guys had a reason why it felt that way or if it felt differently to you. I, I, it didn't feel cringy to me because it wasn't horrible things happening to horrible people. Mm. Uh, it, it was, it was these two guys connected and it's unfortunate for Jordan Peele's character. Uh, but it's not like you're watching a train wreck. You're just yeah. watching two guys getting along really well. Um, I, like I said, it didn't feel cringy. The only thing, and again, this is, Definitely deliberate. The only thing that had a slight cringe factor for me is Jordan Peele keeps looking for validation and he is not getting it from yeah. anybody. He's like, well, does anybody else feel the same way as no? Okay. All right. Um, I was talking about this sketch with Elizabeth, who I think has been on a previous episode. And she pointed out. <laughs> she was on the last episode. Oh, yeah, that's great. She, she's talented. And um, she, she spotted something that I didn't spot the first Beautiful time that's hair. interesting to raise. And that's that uh, in this sketch, it's set in the 70s. And you can tell that um, the Keegan Michael Key character, he's wearing a blonde wig. So he's supposed to be essentially a white male. And the other, the job candidate is also a white male. And it's not clear what ethnicity Jordan Peele is supposed to be, but there could be that cringe factor. They could be potentially commenting on how, um, what it's like to enter into a room where you're a minority and everyone else seems to get a joke that you don't get. And so mm. that could create a cringe factor. It didn't to me the first time I saw it because I just wasn't thinking that way. But if you want to take a step back and look at it as critically as Elizabeth did, um, there's definitely that potential element there, too. And I think we should always challenge ourselves when we're looking at comedy to see where we can find social statements. Yeah. And um, as a woman in one of these applicant roles, I know when I walk into a room, 
and it's full of men, I think, okay, I have to build rapport and I have to do it in a way that's consistent with how they're doing it and still lends me credibility. And that's a challenge to always overcome. And there's not a lot of humor in that, um, but it'd be cool to find humor in it. But anyway, um, so as far as cringeworthy moments, like that could have been a potentially cringeworthy moment that wasn't there in this case. You're right, Seth. But um, if you're looking for them, they, if they wanted to push the sketch in that direction, they could have. I just want to note that Keegan-Michael Key is wearing a blonde feathered wig. It, it is the most... It is the most 70s thing. Yeah. It, oh, it's it, 70s, not 80s. Okay. Oh, it's 70s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Definitely. 70s for sure. And yeah. it, it, it's interesting that you say that because I didn't read it at all that he was supposed to be white. Mm -hmm. I just saw him as having a blonde wig. And it's one of the things I thought was interesting about this sketch is the setting in the 70s because it doesn't seem to, for me, add anything to the sketch. It, I, there, there could be... It could be set today, and it could be set in 1930, costume-wise, and I think the sketch would play the same way. Um, yeah, it, I, think it, I think it would if it were set in the 70s. Because they also make a like also, Jordan Peele also makes a joke, like, what is this, the Carol Burnett show? Right. Uh, so, like, that, that, I think, is a hint that it's obviously not of our time, right? Well, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, I mean, just the general aesthetic, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty clear. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 70s, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, just, so... I, I think when you look at it that way, um, you really get this. You really get the outsider, um, the, the the outsider theme for this sketch, and it's it's, and so it, man, it's always weird. Like so, like now that I see it that way, now that DK had pointed that out and Show had pointed that out, now like I that's how I see it, mm -hmm. and uh, it's always weird for like as a minority when someone points out something racist and you don't see it. <laughs> And then you have to double back, you have to double down on it and be like, "Oh shit!" Think about how it feels to be white in those situations. It's so hard. No. <laughs> will, will no one have sympathy for us white men? <laughs> you know, although, yeah, now that now that you mention it, since it is set in the seventies, that was, um, you know, I want to say that was a time of more racial tension, but I don't think I can with a straight face. Oh, there you go. Hot political takes. There we go. Um, maybe. Uh, I mean, maybe Keegan Michael Key is supposed to be a white dude. I just, for some reason, that makes me very, very uncomfortable now. So now, well, now, cringeworthy. Cringe oh, well, right. You found it's it. just the, uh, just the, um, just the blonde feathered wig as a signifier. All right, we're we're running out of time. Let's real quick five words. What would you change if you could? Seth? The ending needed a button. Needed a button. All right, Shoah. Oh, I'd give the secretary more lines. Secretary more lines. Julian. Um, I would like to. Just note that we're cutting this off real short after, right after we did the, made it racist. Like this whole thing was racial. That's how I'd improve the sketch quick. as well. We need we need to end this as quick as possible. Um, so uh, I I I I think it worked as is. I think it did. Oh, fuck, I keep saying this. I think it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Um, it it heightened it in a natural way, and also it's really hard to do a straight man sketch. I think they did it perfectly. I think, uh, uh, for me, I was disappointed in the sketch, feeling that there was little escalation in the game. You wouldn't see escalation. This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for showtimes, funny videos, and hilarious t-shirts. And now for our next sketch, I'll throw it over to Julian, who's going to talk about Tim and Eric.
All right. Uh, Tim and Eric probably have the most polarizing reception of, from audiences. You either love them or you can't stand them and don't know how anyone can. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Tim and Eric met at Temple University and in 1994 started making comedy videos and sketches on their VHS tapes. And then they caught the eye of Bob Odenkirk, legend, um, who gave them their start. Uh, and the sketch I'm going to talk about is from is is uh, from Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job, and it's the universe. Um, I guess I'm just going to throw to a clip right now because it's not hard to explain. Actually, it's not. Throw to a clip. The time it takes to get from one star to another star is instead you need to travel at the speed of light. And us humans can't even fathom the concept of that kind of time because it's really, 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 really fun to think about taking a speed of light ride. <laughs> right, thanks for that clip, Julian. As you noted, Tim and Eric is quite polarizing amongst both the general population and even comedy nerds uh, who we like to style ourselves as why is Tim and Eric so polarizing? Well, I think people just don't really. So, so like when, whenever you watch one of their sketches, they don't really have a clear game, uh, and they, 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 they and their concepts can kind of change like on the drop of a hat. Also, like just their their just general style, the way they film videos can kind of it's it's kind of off putting if you just don't like that kind of thing. You know, the their their um. They, they, they linger on jokes too long. The, the camera angles are always off center or somehow off in some kind of way. And so, it, it, it's, so it's hard for audiences to really grasp that unless you just think that's funny. Absolutely. And, and I fall into that category of people who tend to not like Tim and Eric. Uh, for me, I, the way I would describe it, and, and it's funny because I like what I'm going to describe it to, but Tim and Eric almost seems like postmodern art. To me, it's like postmodern sketch comedy because a lot of what they're doing is breaking down the established almost rules we have for sketch comedy, whether it's an escalating game, rule of threes, a button, all of these things. They just kind of are like, no, we're going to do something irreverent and absurd, not even with irreverent and absurd in a traditional structure. It's just going to be out there. And I think for me, it's it's not that I want to be a slave to structure, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't it doesn't click for me. Shoa, what do you think about that? Is there something in the writing of Tim and Eric that does it? Is it the performances? What gives Tim and Eric their like irreverent absurdity, and especially in this the universe sketch? Well, I. I'm not a seasoned Tim and Eric fan. I'm not familiar with their catalog. So my breadth of knowledge is the two sketches that I saw for Tim and Eric recently. And so um, I think you make a good point. They do take standard tropes and kind of flip them upside down. But that's a strategy I've seen other sketch groups do. So I didn't think it was that innovative. It could be they've been around for a long time. And since I haven't seen them, I didn't. Uh, they've already established a new genre of sketch comedy. 94. 94. Okay, yeah. So they've probably already established this genre, and you see that a lot, where you you look at something on a on a on the YouTube, on the YouTube, <laughs> and you think, what am I watching here? How does this have 13 million views? And that was <laughs> that. What I got the sense was Tim and Eric, and I liked it. I thought it was funny, especially the universe. It was taking that 80s trope of science video that's very fun, talking about the moon. They're wearing all the right clothes, 
and then just saying everything incorrectly. They're just spewing wrong facts. And it didn't seem that contrarian to sketch standards that I've seen today. So I guess maybe 10, 15 years ago, I would have bought into what you were saying, but now since I, um, it, it's a lot more popular now to see just people say whatever they want, um, I'm not bothered by it. That's right. I wonder, I wonder if uh, it's like the, the idea that Seinfeld isn't funny. The idea that Seinfeld, what we see, what we saw in Seinfeld has been done so many times now or has been built on for so much. When you look back and you look at Seinfeld, sometimes now you think, well, why was this the funniest show of the 90s? And sometimes you watch and you go, oh, my God, I understand why. But That's other times you don't. Seth, what did you think about the premise and the execution of this sketch? Well, let me answer that with a question. Was there a premise? The premise basically was it's kind of like a Carl Sagan, uh, you know, like in the 80s where he would just kind of. Basically, it's like billions and billions yeah. of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, basically, like, what, like, like, explain the, like, describe the universe. That's basically the the premise of the sketch. Is like to uh, suppose that astronomers describe the universe. And I mean, they did that, and it was fine. And it went on a bit, and it kept coming back to sort of the same jokes without. Escalation, uh, for the most part. There was one bit, which I'll uh, talk about later, I think. But, um, yeah, it was just mostly Tim uh, babbling on about things that he clearly didn't even look up in any form and uh, making up names for planets. Yeah, and, and so that's kind of what draws me to them, really, is that, like, at, really at the core of their comedy is that they're just making, like, the like the, 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 they're taking the banality of, of everyday life or just everyday concepts even of even abstract concepts and just taking them to the absurd. So like when you watch those videos or maybe you watch like, um, oh, who's the cool guy now? The space Neil deGrasse guy. Tyson. Yes. See? Yeah. Neil deGrasse space Tyson. Guy. The space guy. Like you, like you watch stuff like, like we watch his show. What was it? It was Cosmos, Cosmos again. Cosmos. Yeah. 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 Oh, it was the same. Yeah. 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 He, oh, he redid Cosmos. That was, yeah. Damn. I didn't even watch the sober. It'll be and more. Then, it'll be more informative than then, uh, yeah. Tim and Eric's The Universe. Yeah, but but like so, basically, they're just like that. That same sort of idea of like like you trying to describe something so abstract as the universe, and people do it in kind of a really weird, banal way, and so people can understand it. And they're kind of putting it under a magnifying glass and just showing how like absurd it is at the the risk of getting off sketch topic, I thought they did that much more successfully in Prices. Oh. In the Prices. Prices, which is a, another sketch of theirs uh, that is kind of uh, almost like a list sketch, except they're just uh, saying price numbers. Two ninety nine, seven ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. That, that was the second sketch I wanted, I wanted to show you guys. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, yeah, it, it's it's the, the whole premise of the sketch is um, salesmen are selling discount prices. Like again, that's so fucking funny. Well, and I was I was on yeah. board with that one. I was on board. Yeah. I just it just didn't um it just didn't grab me um in universe. Yeah. Well, so in universe, something else they're doing it is they're just it's six minutes of false facts, and up until this year, I thought that was fun. <laughs> Every time yeah. I heard someone say something with a straight face, sincerely, that was obviously wrong. Even on YouTube, when you watch this sketch, like extended is misspelled. It's spelled expanded version, <laughs> and there's no reason for it. <laughs> But um, so just everything. Universe has seven letters. There's an anagram in it. Um, it's not really an anagram. It's 
just the sincerity, the the commitment to it, it, it parodies these scientists who um, you watch and they take themselves so seriously. So just yeah, shining a light back on how ridiculous they could potentially sound. Right, and they're so they're so like playful and casual with their jokes that they could literally go anywhere. And so if you're trying to look at you know jokes linearly. Li- Linearly? Literally. Linearly. 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 If you're just trying to talk. In a line. Yeah, in a line. Um, When they don't line up sometimes, and like you said, it's it's been done so often that like it's kind of lost its fervor. And this and it's it I think the sketch came out in two thousand seven or something. Okay, that's way ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And um and and so like when they're so playful and you know uh with with their delivery that the, the jokes can go anywhere like they had one sketch they had one bit where it was like um tim was like the universe is like a hand and then he, like he talks about the um uh, the different points of like universes and then he's like um so like like you like you you picture that's like basically it's it's like a leaf or you know it's it's not like a bowl. They can literally take a joke in any direction, and that w- and that's what kind of is exciting about their it's their comedy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think one of the things that they do with jokes sometimes, and it happens a little bit in the sketch, not so directly, but in the nature of the science facts, is that we often we talk about in sketch comedy sometimes repetition. You say a joke once and it works, and then you say it two, three, four times, and it stops being funny. But then when you start to get around like the seventh or eighth time, it becomes funny again. And what they'll do is they'll start when it's funny, that first fact about the universe is like a hand, but not really. Um, And then they do some other facts that are very obviously wrong. And for me, they started to fall flat, and they come back a little bit. It's like, okay, this is funny. And then they keep doing it. For, For me, it feels like they'll start at the funny place, let it get unfunny, come back to funny, but then drive it into the ground in terms of it no longer being funny for me anymore. I mean, clearly I am like, again, not against this sketch, but it's, it's not one of my favorites. To to be fair, like in the actual broadcast of the show, they only did. So the the sketch is broken up into parts. So like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, kind of like a blackout sketch. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but they, in the show they did three parts and the one that I sent you, they did about maybe six or seven because that's how much I love it. (laughs) <laughs> thanks thanks for sharing that with us i i actually think it would have worked better uh broken up into pieces yes i agree if i uh, yeah i think if i watched it that way yeah uh, in, yeah in the context of another show the bit that i really liked in the sketch uh was when it became slightly more traditional sketch comedy and it started being about why he was uh shining a flashlight into the neighbor's son's bedroom <laughs> yes and yes, the neighbor and him like having this fake conversation with the, this one-sided conversation with the neighbor about why he's doing that. And and that was very funny to me, I think, because it came back to this more, an idea that I found funnier of like, I'm just trying to teach your your son about space rather than this yeah. generalness that exists throughout the rest of the sketch. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and if you look, I mean, if you look back at those like Carl Sagan videos or even just like videos on the internet about space, everything is really vague because obviously like, um, unless you delve deep into it, like you're studying it. If you're just trying, if you're just trying to give it to like general people, the general public, like it's, it has to be vague so they can get it. And that's what they're playing off of. And so, and, and so, but, but also to just jump onto your point too. I love it when Eric in the clip that I showed you, the, ex, the extended version <laughs> um, is uh, when he's like, talks about his son 
And he's like, well, you know, I just it's like you want to go out and play all the time, but you don't care about what I do all day. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, so it gets a little yeah. angry about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What uh, what would you change, Shoah? I actually I wouldn't change much. I really like this sketch. Visually, I think it's beautiful the way they fade in and out. Um, the way they're dressed, it's just the whole thing works. It's very powerful. I, I thought it was a great sketch. I wouldn't change anything. Maybe I'd make it four minutes longer. Longer? Yes. yes. <laughs> I, was, I was impressed. That's a choice. <laughs> yeah. We all make choices, don't we? Seth. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit of heightening. Uh, yeah. I think I might have started Tim out with the wrong planets and then getting into stuff like the sun is actually made of cheese, and in eight years it's going to explode, and the whole earth will be covered in nachos. You know, like just something that's rather than he came across as somebody who just doesn't know very much, and I'd rather see somebody who is at the risk of being politically controversial. I'd rather see somebody who is like a committed flat earther, sure, who's somebody who is absolutely wrong and doubling down on that wrongness at every opportunity. To all you flat earthers out there listening to this, your ideas are so dumb. Shot across your bow. For me, the sketch often feels like bad improv done on purpose. The, the facts about space just seem out there, not in a way that seem crafted to be out there, but in a way that it feels to me that they're trying to think up out there things on the spot. So I think I would... It, like, you know, this is what I talked about before, but add more structure to what's going on. Yeah, no, um, actually, I, I agree with Shoah, actually. Because, like, the... Um, that hasn't been evident through this <laughs> section. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, the their style is the funny thing, not necessarily the, the like, the, the bits they're maybe impri- improvising or not. You know, it's like, it, the, the actual, like, content isn't really isn't really the joke it's their style and they're committed to it and that's what's funny so i agree i would also do another four minutes all right that's uh, two for more structure and two for long meandering sketches <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> that was me being mean sorry guys <laughs> well the subtle nuances of tim and eric are lost on you seth that's no problem all right, guys, let's bring the show to a close. Final thoughts. Shoa, as the guest, why don't you come up with a rating system for us to uh, rate these two sketches on? Uh, well, in honor of the universe, I'd like to rate it on dipsters. So there's the big <laughs> dipster and the little dipster. And so um, that's two we know for sure exist in the universe. So if there could be more, how many would we apply to each sketch? The Dipster, if you did not watch the whole sketch, is like the Little Dipper or Big Dipper, but with like legs and a head, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I think they actually drew the Little Dipper. They just moved it on. I think there were little extended parts. There were, there were parts like extended parts. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Okay, yeah. They got yeah. <laughs> oh, how brilliant. I missed it. Another layer. A reason well, to go back and watch it again. Let's see. I give it 80 Dipsters, Andy. 80 <laughs> Dipsters. So you'd give the universe 80 Dipsters. What would you give? Uh, job interview. Oh, 72. 72. No, so wait, you, sorry. 172. 172. All right. Seth, what are your thoughts on the dipsters for today? Uh, the dipsters, I think I'm going to have to give job interview 1973 dipsters because that's, I think, about when it was set. <laughs> and um, in terms of the universe, uh, 
given what I thought of this sketch, I, I think we already have quite enough dipsters. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> uh, for me, I would give the uh, job interview. Um, I'd give it the big dipster. Um, because I, I think those guys are just so talented. I'd have liked to see more from that sketch. Um, that's why there's no little dipster there as well. Uh, for the universe, I would give it the big and little dipper. Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, so for me, uh, the universe obviously gets like infinite amount of dipsters. Just Wouldn't that be the multiverse, Julian? <laughs> I'll stop talking now. <laughs> well, okay, never mind. In- never mind. In- insert. That's why I love about Tim and Eric, too, is that they don't even have to finish a joke. They yeah, just that's what I love about it, too. <laughs> they don't have to finish a joke. Like, that's how, that's how, like, okay. That's how talented they that's are. How, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. how great they are. What, how, um, many, how many yeah, dipsters? Yeah, one of their jokes was just knock, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> how many dipsters would you give job interview? Job interview, um, I would also give, man, if, like, I wish we could talk to them. Because, like, adding the racial element, I would also give it an infinite amount of dipsters. But just 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 on its own, just as like an outsider peering into you know the just as the outsider you can't follow you right I, now, right? You, God damn it. Okay, but yeah, just, I, 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 would, I would I would give it in from out of dipsters as just as like as a someone who's felt like an outsider. And with that heavy note, this concludes another episode of This American Life. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on another episode of Sketch Nerds. A big shout out to Shoah Appleman. Oh, yes, that is your name. I almost used your maiden name. Shoah Appleman for being a guest on today's show. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to send us a sketch to break down, we would love to do that. You can find us on badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches we discussed today. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. For Shoa, Julian, and Seth, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.